Welcome to another podcast from the Rotary and Community Service Radio Show, which is now in its 14th year. Our show is heard every Friday between 6 and 8pm on Community Radio Station 94.1 FM 3WBC and is also streamed live on the World Wide Web at www.3wbc.org.au. Here is a podcast of a recorded interview done per Zoom by Jonathan Shepherd with Lena Coates. Lena is a recruitment consultant and the wife of a Rotary Club of Q Rotarian. Lena talks about applying for jobs and interview techniques. The interview was first played on Jonathan Shepherd's show on the 20th of March 2020. Hi Lena and thank you for joining us on the show. No, thank you, Jonathan, for inviting me. It's my pleasure to talk to you and your listeners. Oh, that's great. Now, I, I was quite uh, intrigued. Uh, that's quite an extensive uh, resume and uh, information that you provided. So I guess, I guess our listeners would like to know a little more about you. Could you tell us about the, who, about the real Lena Coates? Ah, the real Lena Coates. Well, I grew up and I still live in Richmond and I'm proud to be of Italian heritage. And like so many children of European descent, I grew up with my grandparents all living in the same house. And we had family visit and we visited them, something which I think is lost today. And we had lots of family gatherings and of course, you know, that wonderful Italian food. My father was always very supportive of getting an education. Therefore, I went to RMIT where I obtained qualifications in business studies. From there, I was very fortunate to work for well-known corporates in various roles like PricewaterhouseCoopers, Sports School, who was owned by Sportscraft at the time. And that was a really exciting time because um, Madonna exploded onto the scene and there was lots of fashion changes. Being a young girl, I loved that. From then, I went on to work for BP Oil to this day, which I credit with giving me the skills I apply today. However, for the last 25 years, Jonathan, I've spent the majority of my time as a corporate headhunter and executive coach. I've got a gorgeous husband who's a proud of his Greek heritage and a Rotarian himself, Jonathan. Our baby is a 10-year-old sport standard poodle called Pokey. I'm fortunate to have a wonderful family and it's not uncommon at Christmas for us to get together and be 25 plus people around the table, which is fabulous. I also volunteer as, a sec- as the secretary for the Castellarisian Association of Victoria, which is to preserve the heritage of the Greeks that came from that island in the 1920s. As my husband is Greek and he's also from that, oh, his, his ancestors are from that part of Greece. I'm also part of Cabrini Italians of Melbourne and through the Cabrini Foundation, we're raising funds there as well. And of course, I support Rotary and I've also helped at Garden Design Fest and various other fundraising initiatives. I've got an 84-year-old mother and like everyone, we're we're worried about her at the moment. So um, I'm trying to spend as much time with her as I can and I've got can. And I've got a small circle of friends and family that I enjoy spending time with. I love fashion, and as my husband will tell you, the wardrobes are bulging, so I'm known as a bit of a fashionista. And I like the opera, which I used to attend with my mother, old movies, and I read a lot of autobiographies, which I really enjoy. So 
I hope that sort of gives you an overview of, of, of me, Lena. It, it does indeed. I'm exhausted just listening to it. I don't know how you get it fitted all in in a day or in a year. Well, a lot of people say that, Jonathan, but, um, yeah, I sort of managed to get, get it all done. Oh, that's good. Anybody who knows you and knows you on uh, Facebook, of course, will know the, uh, the adventures of Pokey, your dog, seems to appear in all sorts of places around Melbourne. Yes, well, he's Pokey the Wonder Dog, and he does get around. I think he's the most travelled poodle in Australia. Oh, well, lucky to him. I think the dogs get away with everything. And, of course, such a rich heritage becoming you're Italian and, you're, and Peter's Greek. It's, uh, boy, it's uh, quite, an, quite a heritage you've got there and must be a big family occasion, is it? Well, we do. When we get together, and we're proud of that, we um, all come together as one and, um, you know, there's lots of nieces and nephews and, of course, um, their extended families get invited as well. So it can... I know at our home we've often had up to 60 people here at Christmas, but I thoroughly enjoy it, and it's nice to have that um, extended family around us at that time as well. What a wonderful heritage uh, that the, the Greeks and the Italians bring to Australia with all that uh, sort of thing that changed our whole restaurant and the way we do things, which is uh, fabulous and, and so forth. But now we're here not to not only talk about the Greek and Italian heritage, but, of course, about your specialty and as executive search and career coaching. And what got you into that field? How did you get started? Well, uh, I mentioned before that I, I worked at BP and uh, my role there evolved um, and... Uh, what I um, ended up uh, doing in the latter part of my time there was I actually was responsible for the temporary administrative workforce. Therefore, I was working with the various recruitment agencies to secure temporary staff. And at that time, it could have been in excess of 100 temporary staff per month. So it was quite, quite a big role. That's where I got my taste for recruitment. And when I was retrenched from BP, and it was all good because it was a time when that was happening and they looked after me very, very well, um, I fell into sort of another role where with a recruitment startup firm. And um, that was where I obtained my skills and learnt the art of executive search, which I should mention is very different from the transactional recruitment. So as a result of that, um, a lot of candidates and even clients came to me for career guidance, et cetera. So when I courageously decided to leave my role um, about two years ago now and start my own firm, and that role I had for 25 years, I decided what I, I, I've learned through my career, I'd apply that and assist others in gaining their next role. And it's going to be even more important, I think, in the coming, coming months. Yes, things are in for change. I think you're right there. We might touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, but I just actually just one question on that, if I may. Um, the difference between, you know, uh, executive recruitment and, and, and uh, then the ones we sort of see in the paper every day, what's, what's the difference then? Well, the, trans, well, the transactional you... recruitment is where you're using a, an agency where um, they post an ad and people will respond to that ad and therefore the client will get their candidates. Executive search is really for, um, as the term says, executives. So a company will come to um, a firm like ours and say we're after this particular individual and we don't take that to market. We take in, in the traditional um, ad response, we actually use our network to actually um, tap into the passive market. And what I mean by that is people that are actually employed 
um, and that we tap on the shoulder to see if they would actually be interested in this particular opportunity. So it's really taking it through the network that that particular consultant has got. And at the time, I actually was heavily involved in the financial services industry, so my network was quite deep there, so I was able to approach different individuals. So the difference is, is that um, we tap into the passive market, which is those people that are employed, and based on our reputation, um, people will speak to us. And there might be the odd occasion where we actually advertise the role. So that's really the difference. And each caters to a different sector of the, of the market. Oh, okay, thank you, because I'd often wondered about that. W without being too crude, would, would you say you're more a headhunter? You go and find the person Absolutely. You are. That's yeah. absolutely right. That's the right. actual term. That's the term. Okay, good. I didn't want to be rude. So, uh, now, uh, you seem very passionate in listening to you. You're very passionate about, about what you're doing. Why do you find it so interesting? Well, Jonathan, I've been very lucky to have a very, very good career and I've worked for, and I've had the opportunity of working for really well-known corporates and had the benefit of all that experience and, and it's my way of giving back. Um, I know a lot of people um, can get very confused when they are looking for a role, I call it the, the job search maze, and by me being able to direct them in the way that they present themselves, their CV, um, the tools that they use, LinkedIn, and of course now, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to use video conferencing a lot more um, and being able to be confident using this type of technology, I'm able to help them with that. But not only that, then fashion a job search strategy and also assist them through the interview process. It's really quite, it's, 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 it's um, jumps and hurdles and um, I'm able to help them over those. And like I say to a lot of my, my clients, um, you go to a professional for your legal advice, an accountant for your account financial advice. So this would be no different in, in seeking out help. And I'm happy to provide that as others are in the career space. Well, that's a good idea because like so many uh, in my field with real estate, you, uh, you only, people only transact a couple of times in their life and often probably only go for jobs in a couple of times in their life like this or well, executive jobs only once or twice, would they? Absolutely, but um, as I say, having a role, you know, really um, a job really um, is the foundation for everything that we do because we might love what we do, but we certainly need to be remunerated for it and it impacts every part of our life. Which again, we think we're going to start to see how that is going to impact on us uh, in the coming months. But uh, mm -hmm. again, we're going to touch on that a bit later on. When, uh, when Lena and I talked some time ago, you mentioned... Um, uh, that you'd be, you'd like to join us on a, on the Rotary Radio program on a regular basis uh, to discuss certain topics, and I think, uh, and I'm hoping it'd be love to get some feedback from our listeners that we raise certain topics and the, of interest for our listeners, and we can discuss them on a on a regular basis, perhaps um, once a month or something like that. Have have a, a segment with you coming on. I'd wonder if you'd like to join us in the program on a regular basis. That'd be lovely, Jonathan. And certainly um, your listeners are welcome to ask me um, anything um, because um, I can help on the gender pay gap, um, ageism, um, and a lot of other things or putting together a proper CV, those sorts of things. Um, the audio interview, the face-to-face -face interview, anything that perhaps they've um, had difficulty with in the past, I'm um, perhaps maybe able to offer some advice and um, some guidance. 
That'll be wonderful. I think we all need that uh, in in everything we do, as you said, to get the specialist in to help us in particular parts of our lives. So our second part of the interview, which I'd like to ha have shortly, um, I'd like to go into some very specific questions on, on interviews and how to do it. But before we get into the second part, I'd like to wrap up our first uh, part of this chat uh, with some music. Now, I asked you before uh, we came on air if you'd like to suggest a couple of songs uh, that you'd like me to play. And you've mentioned three from ABBA. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And why those three? What, anything particular? Or do you just like the ABBA, the music? Or anything well, brings up any memories? Well, actually, Jonathan, I, I thought about it. And ABBA always makes me smile. And it's bright music. And I think we need something bright in our lives right now. And that's why I chose them. Excellent idea. I couldn't agree more. Well, look, let's um, let's pop these songs on and we can have a chat to, uh, to Lena when we come back for the second half. And we'll look, be looking at some very specific questions I've got on how to get a job and what to do. So let's uh, play the music and we'll come back with Lena shortly. This is 94.13 WBC and you're joining us on the Rotary Radio Program until 8 o'clock this evening. I'm joined uh, chatting to Lena Coates, Managing Director of Coates & Associates. She's uh, a senior or guru, actually, in the, known in the industry from the executive search and career consultant industry, or profession probably is a better term. And um, thank you, Lena, for selecting that music. It's great to have you back again. I really enjoyed the advert, really brightened. It could be a, quite a dull day, so wonderful selection. Oh, thanks, Jonathan. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I normally dance around the studio, but I don't think I'm allowed to anymore with the coronavirus, so I had to sit very still. But I did enjoy it a great deal. So. Oh, that's... Now, Lena, I uh, just wanted to chat with you. As a, as a career exec, you know, uh, executive search consultant, a lot of us have uh, questions. And I guess what we'd like to do, and to remind the viewers, over the next few months, we'll be asking Lena to come on our program on a regular basis and answer specific questions or talk about specific topics uh, of interest to people looking to change their career or looking for a different focus uh, in their career or what, how they can help doing all sorts of things. And I want to touch on a couple of questions. This week, I thought we'd talk about older Australians uh, and how they can get a job because there seems to be a bit of a trend for older Australians to change jobs or wanting to get a new job. So I thought I might start with that. Um, how difficult is it for an older Australian to get a job or change their jobs? Well, Jonathan, um, I wouldn't just classify it just for older Australians. For anyone getting a job in these times, it's going to be difficult, um, especially often as the decision's out of your hands. But really, the main principles remain the same. You've got to have a good CV for, tailored for the role you're applying for. Research is paramount, so you need to do your research before you're actually applying for a role for a particular company, and I can't emphasise that enough. And also, when you do get to, to the interview, you need to be on time, well presented, and I know this sounds um, unbelievable, but sometimes because of nervousness, people get the name of the interviewer wrong, so you need to have that clear in your mind and also know a bit about them, have a look at them on LinkedIn. So you've got good questions to ask them. And also from LinkedIn, you may have connections that know that person that'll be able to give you maybe a heads up on, on them or the company, etc. 
That sounds great. I, I certainly understand that. I think we all get very nervous uh, doing interviews like this or doing interviews uh, with uh, employees. So that's good advice. You think we should do the research, not only on the organisation, but on the person you're chatting to as well? Absolutely, yes, because um, that shows to the employer that obviously you, you, you know about their business, what they do. And not only that, um, as I mentioned, you do get nervous when you're going into an interview and you can stumble. And um, everybody wants a confident employer employee. So um, by getting their name right and having a nice firm handshake or if you're having to do um, a video or an audio interview it's also important to have that confidence in your voice so all those things are really going to help um you know present yourself really well now i could advise i think that's right i've, I've actually done a, a video conference interview once and uh, it was great i enjoyed that more because i could have all my cheat notes behind the screen uh, and questions and everything else and do that so that sounds like good advice now Second question, what sort of special skills do older Australians bring to the table? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Jonathan, because firstly, um, ageism is one of my big things that, um, you know, uh, I've had people come up against that a lot in their careers. And I don't think of anyone as older. It's really that they're more experienced. And at the end of the day, everybody's got their own unique skill set um, however, what I've experienced is that an individual brings to the table that skill set for the role that they're looking at. And it's important that the individual know their skill set and, more importantly, be able to explain what they can do for an employer. Well, in that case, what should they be emphasising in a, in a skill set? You know, what is often people just don't know their own virtues and skills really you know or they, they, what they take for granted what what is a good set of skills what what should you be emphasizing okay so well when you're applying for a role whether it's direct um, and that's where an employer has advertised the role directly via you know link, uh, linkedin or seek or uh, the other media job boards or whether it's the employer themselves they will tell you what the skills they need for that particular role so what i suggest is people um, go and use a highlighter and look at the key skills that they're looking for and then identify those and put those in your resume that's very important because now um, a lot of companies whether they're the company themselves or the uh, agency will use an applicant tracking system. So your resume actually won't be read by anyone. It'll actually go through a, a, a computer system that's got um, algorithms behind it. And that will pick up the words that are identified in the position description. So it's very important that you tailor each CV for the role that you're going for. I know it's a pain in the neck to do that, but at the end of the day, in my, I mean, I've read thousands of resumes and if um, they haven't identified those key skills in their CV, you've got a very slim chance of hearing back at all. Oh, good. Oh, that, that's the first point of, that's the first cutoff point. I guess that's one of the most important. You, you, mm. you fall into the, uh, the, the do not call back bucket very quickly. Um, you mentioned um, that software. How does that work? What happens with that? Well, in actual fact, um, I'm not terribly technical myself, but I do know a little bit about it. Now, applicant tracking systems were developed 
as a result of the GFC and there was mass unemployment back then and um, people were getting thousands and thousands of resumes. So these applicant tracking systems with an analog, analog system behind them were developed. And what that does is um, the resume submitted via the, the, the technology and then that with using various um, um, and algorithms um, is able to identify the candidate that most matches that role. So that's why I said it's very important that um, the CV actually use words that are key skills in their own resume. Um, the days of having a one resume fits all is absolutely over and, and that's I can't emphasise enough that you really do need to tailor each CV for the role that you're applying for. And more importantly, you've then got to tell them what you can do for the company um, because just having the skill sets is one thing because a company is always interested in how you can improve their performance. Well, that's good. Um, you, uh, that's really important because you, you, it's a bit like the teacher telling the student to answer the question. Is that right? That's what you're doing, isn't it? Basically, yes. But, yeah. um, in, you know, years ago you could have one resume and send it out and that would be that. But not now, not with sophisticated uh, systems that companies are using because there are going to be a lot, well, there are and will be a lot more people applying for, for roles. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, where roles come from. It, 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 most jobs now online. Uh, you talked about the different uh, search programs. Well, a lot of companies um, are advertising online directly. Yes, they are. Um, the headhunting roles still are out there, but they're for specific roles and what I call generally the C-suite, where you're looking at chief executives, etc. But uh, predominantly, um, most roles are advertised via those media boards, whether they be Indeed, Seek, LinkedIn, all those sorts. It must be difficult then to search through all those things and find uh, find the right job, or do they find you a bit? Do you, can you well, put the, in a, a way to sort it? Well, the technology actually um, is quite sophisticated that they've got. So you can actually, um, I believe uh, Seek has a function where you can actually um, identify the roles that you're after and they'll send you those particular ads for those types of roles and you can look at them and then um, make up your mind whether you're going to actually apply or not. Oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, the all-important CV, you've mentioned that, and we better get into some more detail on that. How long is the right CV and what should I put in it? What should it contain? Well, um, you don't list everything on your CVs because nobody really, having six to eight pages, it's been said that people really lose interest after three. So traditionally, I recommend that people have, say, three to four pages. And my clients, I recommend that they only detail the last 10 to 12 years and always include your achievements that a referee can verify. Also, if it's a sales role, you need to include your sales achievements. I know, you know, a good salesperson will always know their figures. So if someone didn't have that on their resume, I looked at it as a red flag for me. And really the rest of your experience past that 10 or 12 years, you really just need to list the name of the company, the title that you had, and the month and year of that particular tenure for that role. And I should mention that also for the 10 to 12 years, you need to have that month. You've got to put the month in, not just the year. It needs to have the month and year you started and the month and year you finished. 
Okay, that shows very specific details so people can check up with the referees, which we'll touch on referees in a moment. Now, I, I get the call. You, you, I've got through the, the computer program. I've got through all that. And I get the big call. Then they say, come and see us or come and have a chat on the video conference. What do I wear? Well, generally, um, what I tell people is that um, firstly, go to the website and... and Go to the company website and you'll see a lot of individuals that work there. So you'll get generally the gist of how people present on that website. And today, the actual um, mode of dressing is not always a suit and tie and, and business suit for ladies as well. Um, so to go for an interview, or even if it's a coffee meeting, I always tell people it is an interview. So suit yourself up uh, for a guy, you know, wear a nice suit. Generally, I say a darker suit. The tie, a nice tie, something that says you, but not Mickey Mouse or anything like that. And for a lady, um, you can wear the, the business suit or, or a nice dress that's modest, not too much jewellery and, of course, not too much makeup. Now, of course, I've got to say that um, nobody can discriminate on the way that you look, but um, I always say to people, just think you're interviewing yourself and how you'd like to see that person presented. I guess you could wear the Mickey Mouse tie if you're going for a job at Disney, but other than that, you don't think that's appropriate? Well, believe me, I have seen it. So, I've seen <laughs> it. so that's what, you know, even the socks to match. Yeah, that's true. Yes. I think if we've any of us have done interviews, you've probably seen some extraordinary things and you would have in your career for sure. Oh, now, right. I've always wondered, is there a good time to go for an interview? Should I go first thing in the morning or later in the evening or, you know, during lunchtime? When, is there a good time to go for an interview? Well, Jonathan, any time is a good time for an interview. Forget that callback, any time. So as long as you're prepared. Um, so you need to fit in with the times they've got allocated. However, changing times, you know, most likely your interview will be with FaceTime or Zoom. Um, so make sure you're in a good space with not too much distraction behind you or pictures and things like that. And that you look professional. And uh, even if it's only from the waist up, well, that's true, isn't it? With video conferencing, yes, uh, you only have to look good from the waist up or the shoulders up. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what about making specific requests or questions before you come? Should you perhaps uh, spend some time with the person arranging the appointment with you for the interview to discuss about who it is, where it is, what's happening? Uh, should you be asking lots of questions like that before you go there? Absolutely. When you get that call, um, certainly ask who the interview will be with because then you can actually, as I mentioned before, do a little bit of research on those individuals and get their names right. And um, as I said, you look them up on LinkedIn and that'll tell you a lot. And also, as I said, you might have mutual connections that'll give you further insights. But um, I usually say, remember the three Ps, be punctual, presentation, you know, have that correct, and also do your preparation and research. Uh, just a question in regarding the three Ps, punctuality, presentation and preparation, I, I think are great there. But punctuality, I, I'm, I'm very big on that. And, and I must admit, uh, I like to be on time and uh, I like, but I like the people I'm talking to to be on time. There's been many examples that I've found in my lifetime that a number of particularly uh, career uh, recruitment people, not in your area, but the recruitment people, often leave you hanging for a, quite a while. You know, is, is, it, is there a point where you say, 
thank you, but no, if you can't be on time and I am, you know, you get up and walk out? Well, you know, that's a personal choice. And I, I, I have heard that. It was always one of my things was that, um, and, and the firm that I worked for at the time, was that we were always prepared and took, especially because um, what we did was, I suppose, a bit of cloak and dagger that we didn't like people sitting in, a, in an open area, especially if we've headhunted them to come in. But look, at the end of the day, um, I really wouldn't walk out. I mean, at the end of the day, be cutting off your nose to spite your face. So it's not a reflection of the company that you're working for, perhaps more the recruitment firm that leaves you sitting there. But um, just have a bit of patience and try and get through that part. And don't let it, it, don't let it um, cloud the actual interview that you're going to have with them either. So you just need to really be a little patient, I suppose. Fair enough. That's something I've been told before today, be a bit more patient. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's funny because I, I think it, probably your executive search and you're, you know, you've got people on very tight timeframes and you need to be on time. But I found with headhunters, with um, the more uh, the career people that they, they tend not to, it can be up to three quarters of an hour, an hour, an hour late and so forth. So I guess that's, uh, you know, it, shows, it reflects poorly, I think, on, on that company, not on the employer. Well, but anyway, you, yeah. Now, if you, yeah. The, the, I think the hardest part possibly is you've got all this way through. They've said, yes, they want to, they want you and you want them. And that's another thing we need to talk about, but um, you get the offer, or, you know, we'd like to employ you. And this is, the, how do you negotiate a package? This is probably the hardest part I would have thought. Well, Jonathan, that's a really great question. And um, it's something that, um, you know, I, I um, really, the one thing that I can say is that, um, Sometimes the actual salary is in the ad. However, if it's not, and you've been lucky enough to get an interview, um, you can ask what the salary range is, because generally at the end of an interview, they'll ask you, have you got any further questions? And that's when you would establish upfront um, what the salary range is, because there's no point in getting right to the end of the interview and then realise that the salary is not going to meet your needs. Now, when it does fall below in an interview, if it does fall below, what I suggest is that um, you just say, okay, and then leave on a really good note that interview. But that will give, your, give yourself time to think about it. Now, I say this because a lot will depend on your own personal circumstances and your financial commitments and you're the person concerned and you're the only one who can make that decision. So... If you've been on the market for 12 months and looking for a role, you may be prepared to take that um, salary uh, cut uh, to compensate perhaps for the, the times that, you're, that you may potentially be out of work for the next 12 months. But um, as I said, you just need to establish that for yourself and, and find out what you know, your, your, your financial threshold is. Now, also, if it's a recruiter that you're interviewing with, so you can ask them that up front on the phone because at the end of the day, you don't want to waste their time or yours going in for an interview and you're expecting a certain amount of money for the role and it's, you know, not going to meet your expectations at all. Now, if you get to the end of the line and you've up front um, given them the, the salary ban and it was acceptable to you, but they come in lower and sometimes that can happen, 
Look, there's no harm in going back and, and going back to that particular employer. We're, we're all human, we're all people, and saying that, um, you know, that uh, you've got financial commitments, uh, this is the, the absolute minimum that you can take for the role, um, and would they consider that? Sometimes you can negotiate um, a performance-based bonus halfway through. So there's different ways you can negotiate things, but generally, um, if you're up front with that particular employer, and I'm not saying that they're going to come to the party at the end of the day, but um, if you're up front and, and genuine about what your financial needs are, um, then generally um, they can meet you halfway. Yes, I guess if they want you that's, and and do you want them, then we'll find a way of yes, putting the deal together. Yes, it doesn't always happen that way, as I said, because companies sometimes have a budget and also it may be that they have a number of other individuals on that particular salary. Then if they bring you in higher, um, you know, it can cause a problem. But you've just got to evaluate what's right for you and then how much you want the job. And then, you know, there may be a bonus in the role as well. So if you perform well, um, you could make it up that way as well. So there's different ways of doing things, but basically it just depends on what your own financial um, circumstances are, how much you want the role. And, you know, you've got to look at the potential that that role can give you as well. That sounds like good advice. I think that's uh, that works really well, a good negotiating stance indeed. Well, Lena, I've taken up a lot of your time and I know I'm sure there's probably lots of people queuing up and calling you to get advice and so forth. Uh, is there anything, one other thing, anything else you want to just mention to, to the listeners before we uh, call it a day? Yes, actually I do, yeah, Jonathan. Um, we're heading into uncharted waters at the moment and um, what I would suggest for anyone out there, even if you're in a role and you feel quite comfortable, etc., I always tell people you need to have an up-to-date resume because you just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and hopefully it doesn't. But um, I tell people, if you lost your job tomorrow, do you have a job, do you have a plan moving forward? And if you don't, start thinking about one. So the steps I would take is that um, get dust off your, your resume, get that all, all in order. Um, certainly think about what I just said. If you were to lose your job tomorrow, what would you do? So have a bit of a plan in place so that you've got your plan B, what I call plan B to activate. And certainly um, make sure that you're getting comfortable with technology because chances are you'll need to do a video interview. So make sure that you're comfortable with that, that you can get your confidence across, etc. And um, certainly, um, if you do all those things, and potentially, hopefully, none of these things will happen and you won't need to, to do it, but at least you, you'll be prepared and, and uh, be able to really step off the platform pretty quickly. I think that sounds like outstanding advice. And I think if our listeners take nothing more from our interview uh, than that, I think that's uh, certainly worthwhile. What a great, uh, great pearls of wisdom that you've, uh, uh, you've given us. And we do appreciate it a great deal. And I thank you very much, Lena, for joining us on the show, on the Rotary Radio program. And hopefully, well, I'd love to give you the opportunity to come on again uh, on a regular basis and chat about different aspects of uh, headhunting and employment and just, how things are done in the career world. So we'd love to have you on board again. Thank you for joining us uh, tonight. And I hope you stay well and business still keeps growing in these uncertain times. And uh, we'll put Lena's details up on the site. And also, uh, if you've got questions for Lena for, a, for our next show, put them on our Facebook site and uh, we'll pass them on to Lena and we'll have a, a chat about those. So thank you again for joining us. 
and I hope you've enjoyed being on the show. I absolutely have, and I hope the listeners have, have got some something out of what I've said today, and it's my pleasure to uh, be here today, and certainly, hopefully, in the future, and answer any questions that anybody would like to ask of me. Thank you. That's uh, Lena Coates from uh, uh, Coates & Associates, and uh, look her up if you need some advice. I think that's a place to go. It's great to have you on board, and uh, thank you, Lena. We'll now have some more music uh, as we get into the rest of the show. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This podcast was presented by Jonathan Shepherd and produced by Ian Salick of Rotary District 9800 in Victoria, Australia. More podcasts can be found on iTunes by typing into your browser Rotary Radio, Doing Good in Victoria, or alternatively by going to the Rotary District 9800 website at www.rotarydistrict9800.org.au and clicking on Rotary Radio.